Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. It's Wednesday and you've tuned back into Daybreak Devotions for what we might sincerely call another special edition of this uh, Bible devotional program. We're glad to have you with us today. We're glad to be here. Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell from the McLeansville Baptist Church. And uh, we're just excited about what's going to happen. But before we go any further, I want to ask you, how does your garden grow? I have no idea. I ain't got a garden. Okay. Strike that one from the record. So it sounded like you were uh, kind of setting up for a uh, like a rhyme or a reason to asking me that question. No, I was just thinking about it being springtime, and this morning I noticed that my blueberry bush is uh, is starting to, it's got blossoms on it. Oh, yeah? So I figure it won't be long, and there'll be some fresh fruit. My clover plants are starting to get some blossoms. Well, there you go. See, you got something going on, so you your garden is growing very well. Yes, got well. weeds all over the place. Got uh. I guess it's some kind of a lavender plant, wild lavender, that's oh. sown all through my front yard. I know all of the hardcore landscapers that take pride in their lawn are listening to what I'm saying, and they're cringing. Like, And I'm going to get all sorts of feedback that says, oh, I got some great weed killer and fertilizer, and I can help you get that. But but you've been thinking about going all natural. Well, I actually did stumble across an article that said the trendy thing right now, instead of having grass lawns, is to have clover yards and we all know that you're a trendy fellow i sure am i told my wife i said look at our yard i am three quarters of the way to being on trend no effort required actually you're probably closer than that i mean with the style of clothing you wear what can i say the 90s called (laughs) they want their shirt back well you know old deacon dean and i apparently shop at some of the same places so yeah well, there's nothing wrong with supporting local ministries like the Goodwill. That's hey. Now I'll own that with full, like not no shamefacedness whatsoever. You should be shamefaced. That's a biblical virtue. I well then maybe I don't understand the with that word. In other words, I ain't embarrassed for people to know that I will proudly shop at the Goodwill. Basically, what you're saying is that you are proud of your humility. Absolutely. Well, there Stand you stand before you today, a humble man. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Friday, but we have that. We could play it. I know our friend Dave Compton would enjoy hearing oh, that. Oh, yes, he would. Matter of fact. Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, distinguished guests, friends, and neighbors. I stand before you a humble man, all choked up with humbleness and humility. In accepting this award... I can only say I feel grateful to you, Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, distinguished guests, friends and neighbors. I was born right here in Mayberry, of humble parents, in a humble home. And I will long remember this day, Honorable Mayor, ladies of the Women's Historical Society, friends and neighbors. You forgot distinguished guests. Oh, yeah, distinguished guests. (laughs) Well, that's the best acceptance speech I've ever heard. I mean... Except maybe the one on, uh, is it the Ghost of Mr. Chicken, where uh, he's given the speech and 
Somebody in the crowd says, Attaboy, Luther! I'm not sure. <laughs> I hadn't seen that one, but I've heard you use that phrase before. You got to you gotta put that on your uh, planning to watch list. Put that on my watch list. Ooh, the watch list. Okay, well, uh, we are going to get into the scriptures today. In fact, it is possible that we're going to finish the study on Psalm 119 today. But it's not, you know, we're not making promises on that because, you know, every moment we take here, that old clock keeps ticking by. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Wednesday's Word of the Week. I've been saving this one. I mentioned it yesterday that I had a word. I was going to just give it yesterday, but it worked out. I mean, it's a providential thing, so I'm giving it today. All right. This week's Word of the Week, and it will factor into our study in Psalm 119, but the word is chutzpah. Chutzpah. Bless you. (laughs) Chutzpah. It's an old Yiddish word. A Jewish term that means shameless boldness or almost arrogant courage. Ooh. Chutzpah. Now, would you care to guess how that's spelled? H-A-T-S-P-H-A? No. It's uh, (laughs) C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. Wow. Yep. It looks like chutzpah, but it's pronounced chutzpah. Uh, so, go ahead. I've actually heard this word before. Well, I, I, I was that was a question I had because I'm not sure where I may have heard it. Yeah, but I I would have never. I, I know I've heard it, but it's been mispronounced. Mm-hmm. But I, because I've always heard it used in like a way is like, boy, he's he's really got some humpfa about him or but it's but it's talking about like somebody almost like a like a brash courage like yes. boy, he's really got some unction about him. Look at that feller. It, it means in, according to Merriam-Webster, supreme self-confidence. Yeah. Or we may say, boy, he's got nerve. Yes. We hear that. Or uh, or as Barney Fife would say, of all the nerve. <laughs> or gall. That takes a lot of gall. Yes. That would be a way to use that word. Other synonyms are audaciousness or audacity, brass, cheekiness. Huh. Oh. He called me a cheeky fellow. <laughs> uh, so anyway, chutzpah. Uh, it, it's a Yiddish, Yiddish term. Anyway, here's what I wanted to say about that. It does factor into today's study, but we'll close out Wednesday's Word for the Week uh, just by saying this. There was a, there's an old story about a guy who murders his mother and father, and then when he goes before the judge, he pleads mercy on the basis that he's an orphan. And they say, now that's chutzpah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is this week's Wednesday word of the week. I really <laughs> wanted to have to that, I really wanted to have some closing commentary on that, but you just didn't know what to do with that. I, I, I didn't because what's sad is that's equal parts shocking that somebody would use that, but then also it's really not that shocking. It's like that's the world that we live in. Well, if you think about it, though, I mean, I'm going to reference a parable that Jesus tells in a little while, and there are some some stories in the Bible and some parables that are some pretty weird things. And it's kind of one of those, like, you know, well, clearly this is not a joke, but it's like a, it's making the point. It's yes. told to make the point that the guy would have the audacity to do such a thing. The unmitigated gall. Now, here's the, here's the thing about this. How does this factor into our studies in Psalm 119? Well, we talked about this yesterday, the need for boldness, uh, where, where that that motivation to stand on God's Word and all that. And we've talked about that throughout this whole thing. I said yesterday, as I was looking over the verses, that 
it made me think this is this is the kind of man that I want to be as I read this. So in Psalm one uh, one nineteen verse one sixty one to the end one seventy six, both of these passages speak to this idea of uh, having that boldness. But let me just go back and and just offer this closeout to yesterday's study. We never really kind of walked through the verses. We read them and, and just commentated, which I enjoyed doing. But uh, the way I, I kind of wrote that out was we see in this, and I guess maybe let's start out by reading the key verses again. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. 168, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. And we said there's two motivators here for living in this way of the devout heart. And number one was the trouble of the world. Number two is the knowledge of God. And the trouble of the world will force us into this dependence upon God, but the knowledge of God allows us to come out with this chutzpah that, that we see demonstrated throughout this psalm and throughout the scriptures. There were some very audacious and brass, brass, brash, brash. Uh, people and, and activities in the Bible that folks would look at them and say, who do they think they are? But they were literally doing what God, I mean, let's walk down the list. Daniel and the three Hebrew children in the mm-hmm. book of Daniel. Who else would you say? Elijah on Mount Carmel? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think even John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, definitely a lot of chutzpah there. Yeah, I mean, fits right into there. Paul, the apostle, I think, you know, would be pretty brash in some stuff that he did after conversion. I, I even, of course, I don't know his name, but I, I think of the priest that shoved the javelin through that couple that was basically oh, committing yeah. adultery. But... Yeah. Jephthah, not Jephthah. I can't think of who. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, that could very easily be looked at and be like, well, don't you think that was a little extreme? No, he absolutely had the authority and the responsibility to carry out God's law and commandment like that. Well, you better keep talking because now you got me looking. (laughs) What about? I mean, what about even Jonathan? Phineas. 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 Okay. Go to Psalm one hundred six. I knew he was talked about. Okay. But even Jonathan, in how he, not in defiance, but went against even the commandment of his king and his father, in that confidence of, what am I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not, I'm not worried about anybody else because I'm doing what needs to be done. Well, where all this comes from, if you just take the, the teaching of Psalm 119, verse 161 to 168, you see this affection for God's word. 162 and 163, I rejoice that thy word is one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. He's got this affection. He's saying your truth is the greatest treasure in life. I seek it above all else. I want to be identified with it above all else. The law of the Lord rejoices the heart and guards the integrity. That's taught throughout the scriptures. And then you see this assurance of God's word in 164 and 165. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. If you really understand that, that right there is some chutzpah coming out in that verse. But he's saying your word is right and just, and to stand right there in it is is the surest footing. And I need not live as one uncertain or stumbling about at all the offenses around me because I am standing on solid ground. That's what he's saying. And you think about how vital it is to just be sure that we are in God's word with our life, that that's where we're finding our footing. I uh, thought about Isaiah 26. I won't look it up. uh, But you know Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 talks about great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. 
there's such a strength and such a confidence that comes from standing in God's Word. And then the last part of it, uh, his, his adherence to God's Word. Uh, verse 166, 167, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. So this guy's got affection for God's word, assurance of God's word, and, and adherence to God's word. This is a guy who's ready to go out and take on the troubles of the world and also because he knows that he is growing in his knowledge and understanding of who God is. And that reminds me of a verse from Psalm 138, jumping ahead a little bit to that psalm. But Psalm 138, verse 7, David says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. And you talk about some holy confidence, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we get in this. And it's, it's repeated over and over and over again. Now, here's the thing. What about the meek and lowly Jesus that we're supposed to be like? I mean, what about the G- I mean, Jesus would not be a chutzpah kind of guy, right? Jesus wouldn't be a a brash, you know, shamelessly bold kind of guy. He was meek and lowly at heart. I think it's high time that we have a better understanding of what meekness and lowliness is. We need to do a little myth-busting. Yes. There's a TV show about that, isn't there? Sure is. Never seen it, but I bet you it's got some cool information. I bet it does. Prepare yourself. Mm -hmm. We're about to break some cool information out. Yes. (laughs) Chutzpah. Usually, if that word was used in Jewish vernacular, it was not a compliment. And uh, Sounds like a word that has a negative connotation to yeah, it. Yeah, you would sort of spit it at somebody, yeah. right? Yeah, chutzpah. Yeah. Let's do it with my German accent. Chutzpah. <laughs> but it, it meant over-the-line audacity. In other words, somebody who thought way too much of themselves, and they were letting everybody else know just how much they thought of themselves. But the original word though it had strongly negative connotations, every once in a while could be used in a positive light for someone who was exceptionally bold, though remained just within the lines of propriety. And so you think about that. Jesus had chutzpah, 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 chutzpah. There's different ways to say it. I just gave you four different ways. They're all correct. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> no, it's all Yiddish oh, yeah. to you. So... Did Jesus have audacity? Who who would have who would have called Jesus? Who would have accused him of chutzpah? I think that's basically what the Pharisees accused him of since day one. Yeah, all the time, and they use words like blasphemy. You know, he's he's blasphemous. Yep. But then think about what the disciples say about Jesus in Matthew eight twenty seven. But the men marveled, saying, "What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him?" You could look at that and say the disciples said, man, what what audacity he has to stand up on the bow of the ship and command the sea. I mean, who does he think he is? And get results. Yeah. So they weren't they weren't trash talking him. They were amazed by what they saw in him. This this fell into the uh, what was the definition? The the proprietary or, yes, or it was within the lines of pro- propriety. Yes. Because Jesus exemplifies he marched boldly in the authority that was given him by the Father, and that and that alone. He stressed that multiple times. I'm not doing this in my name. I'm not doing this because I want to do this. I'm doing this in accordance to the will of my Father, and therefore, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it boldly and confidently because, well, I really don't care what you think. 
because my father is far greater than you, and this is what he has commanded. There are places, of course, where the the, the Pharisees would ask, you know, you know, by what authority do you do these things or say these things? And that was questioning him because they saw him as having this chutzpah. But I think about, you know, in John chapter 2. Isn't it John chapter 2 where he goes into, yeah, and uh, we first read about him going into the temple and turning over the money tables and driving the sheep and the oxen out. And, and uh, he says, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? And so they were. there was this varied opinion on him, but the one thing they all were noticing was this boldness that he had. Now, do we have in... I don't, I'm not turning this into a stone rock throwing session. We're still, we're still ciphering this out. But do we have a sense of holy boldness in the church right now? Or would it be more appropriate to say we've got the negative connotation of chutzpah, like the, the, the uh, misplaced arrogance? Yeah, the 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 I don't know cockiness, yes. our attitude. You know, I, I just there's something that's not quite right. But when someone comes in with a sense of true holy boldness, it's almost considered inappropriate. Yeah, because I think the difference is what we see a lot of times that is described as quote-unquote holy boldness is that arrogance i believe that this would be a safe statement to say jesus absolutely had i can't pronounce the word right chutzpah yeah in the positive connotation and there would have been some people that would accuse him of being arrogant but his personality and his demeanor in no way shape or form would have reeked of yeah i'm great you're welcome that I'm here. Aren't you glad to be in my presence? You know. <laughs> oh, you want the old John Hancock, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he was just the kind of guy that he was who he was. He was confident confident in the in the confidence that he had because he was marching under a greater name. And I think when we see holy boldness in the right way in the church. It won't be, well, don't you know, I'm brother so-and-so. I'm sister so-and-so. The name that will be magnified and marching under will be the name of Jesus. And so with somebody that is marching br- proudly and boldly in the name of Jesus, that's the kind of holy boldness that we're going for because that's what John the Baptist said. He must increase, I must decrease. So if people are getting upset because of how much Jesus I'm representing— then I'm being bold in the right way. Well, not only did Jesus have it, but let's take it a step further. Jesus promoted it. He promoted chutzpah. He promoted the kind of audaciousness, the audacity, and, and taught that every one of his followers should have the same thing. Yep. Now, let me give you an example of that, because somebody's going to say, where, what do you mean? Uh, Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells this parable. Listen to this, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall say, Go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity... 
He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now, here's the question. Most of the time when we hear that parable taught or preached, what is usually being taught, preached, or emphasized in that parable? The goodness of, you know, still just doing the right thing even if you don't want to do it. That's your final answer? It's kind of how I've heard it a lot. Usually... I think of that parable and hear that parable used to teach persistence in prayer. Okay. Maybe I would have helped you out by reading the next verses. And Jesus goes on to say, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh uh, findeth unto him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then he explains how, you know, if you ask bread, would a father give him a stone and that kind of thing. Here used in conjunction a lot with the, uh, the unrighteous judge. And the, the lady that comes with wanting justice and keeps right. coming perpetually, perpetually, perpetually. Well, coming. and you have to go back to, I mean, the beginning of Luke chapter 11. By the way, let me just say, we're talking about prayer in this. Let me also point out that prayer and the Word of God are, what's the word I'm looking for? Irrevocably connected. You can't have one without the other and be successful, right? We pray out of the Word of God, we pray for understanding of the Word of God, and, and then when that understanding comes, we pray in that understanding. So they're, they're both one and the same, but in the beginning of Luke chapter 11 is where the disciples come and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus then gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, but he follows that up with this parable. And, and usually it said, you know, this is persistence. Like, he's not going to get up and give it to him because, you know, just because he's his friend, but because of his importunity. And, and it's, he, he just urgently, he just kept knocking, kept knocking, okay? And so we, we hear just stay in there. Just keep asking until God answers. Just keep seeking until you find. And there's nothing wrong with persistence in prayer and teaching persistence in prayer. But think about this. If we're talking about chutzpah, imagine the guy laying in the bed, in the middle of the night, lights are out, everybody's asleep, and he hears this, Hey, Billy Bob, wake up, man! you got to be kidding me. Yeah, hey, go away! No, man, i got friends in town, and i got no food! Come on, give me some bread! <laughs> and the guy's thinking, Boy, he's got a lot of nerve knocking on my door. <laughs> Doesn't invite me to the party with his friends, and now all of a sudden I got to get up in the middle of the night to feed his guests because he didn't make preparations. You could hear him now. Man, what a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Here, but take it and get out. He gets up and gives him the bread. And what Jesus was teaching there is boldness to come before God. And I want to ask again. <laughs> How much boldness do we actually see? How much boldness do we feel in our lives? You know, we, we actually try to temper down anybody that's excited and audacious in their faith. Yeah. But I think our bigger problem is we don't have enough of this. And what Psalm 119 has taught us through this whole series is, is we need to get that holy boldness in us that only comes from somebody who is pursuing God on the way of the devout heart who is consistently living in the Scriptures and, and seeking that from, from God. The word importunity means just troubling, troublingly urgent, overly persistent. You know, the person that just really is willing to just trust God with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the kind of faith that Jesus taught, and I, I haven't... Uh, turned over there what is it in is hebrews chapter four 
Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When's the last time you heard anybody praying and you had to stop and say, Whoa. Yeah. I can't believe they just asked God that. Yeah. Well, according to Jesus, that's the kind of audacious chutzpah we should have in our faith, i.e. in our life of prayer, and in the way we carry ourselves out in the world among the the troubles of the world and among our accusers. We hide our lack of faith behind a false reverence. And we say, well, who am I to come to God that way? Who am I to, you know, ask this of God? I mean, God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. I, I should just be accepting and, and just be thankful to have a seat at the table altogether. When, as we're discussing, Jesus has taught time and time again, we don't come groveling before the Father. We don't come beating ourselves and, and saying, God, if, if you could work it out, God, God's not looking for pining. What God is looking for is sons and daughters that come to him in the authority that he has given him, not demanding and not commanding, as you mentioned, I believe, yesterday, as, as spoiled, entitled brats, mm-hmm. but coming, understanding, Father, you've given me this role. You've given me this authority to go and execute your will. This is what I need to do for, or this is what I need in order to do what it is that you have asked me to do, and I know you have the resources. Here's what I need. Yeah, I mean, anybody that would stand up, and and I don't mean, obviously we're not talking about somebody that stands up to be heard and recognized by others, but anybody who could in their praying say, my soul hath kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. Well, that's a lot of chutzpah right there to say that. But that confidence comes because of being there and getting God's blessing on your life. You know, that parable, Jesus didn't say that. He said he did. what he didn't say was he rose up because of his humility and gave him the bread. He rose up because of his importunity, mm-hmm. because of his brashness, because of his uh, audacity. I'll give him some he, bread just to get him to shut up. Get that unmitigated gall yes. out of here. <laughs> well, we didn't get to finish it up today, but that's all right. Tomorrow, join us for the uh, conclusion of this study. So have you a wonderful rest of your day. See you next time. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.